episode 143 Rugby Reg here. It's great to have you back with us. We've got the usual uh, support staff with us here. Matt, you don't mind being a side of support staff for the night, do you, mate? Mate, sidekick, very happy. <laughs> Wingman, wingman. And we've got a, a guest along down from Melbourne, Stu's trading tonight, so I brought in Daz. Daz, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good, buddy. I guess if, if Matt's the, uh, the wingman, that makes me the wingman's wingman. <laughs> you are the wingman's wingman, mate. We appreciate it. We've got another special guest. He's going to be with us for the whole show tonight. He's, I think he was on the podcast previously, but he's definitely been a, a strong presence on the site for us. It's Cam Trelaw over all the way from uh, France. How are you going, Cam? Very well, thanks. Happy to be here. It's love having you here, mate. And we're going to get into Cam a bit more later, and we'll, we'll uh, talk about the NRC in particular, and we might chat Wallabies and a bit of Super Rugby. But Cam, before we jump into the last week's results from Super Rugby, why don't you give us a bit quick update of where you are at the moment, where you're playing your rugby at the moment, and what's happening? Well, I'm currently over in Bordeaux. I'm just uh, I'm actually coming to the end of end of my time there. Um, we we've had a reasonably good season. We're we're placed at the moment eighth. We've got a big game this weekend against Biritz, who are already already relegated and already out so if we can we can win that game with a bonus point and hope another result goes our way we might finish seventh which puts us in a uh, a home and away qualification with most likely the wasps from london for uh, the last hiking cup spot so hopefully that all goes to plan all right well let's keep watching and hope you get through there for a what will be a a, a final uh, grasp at glory cam what's your plans here might sneak back for a bit of nrc action what do you know well mate that's that's, that's actually the plan hopefully i can um <clears throat> get the nrc in before i i start full time with the police in january oh fantastic well that's exciting let's get to that later let's get through uh our last week's rounds and uh, week 11 it was we started with the blues versus waratahs and we knew this was going to be um, a, a challenge for the Tars, challenging, uh, travelling over there to New Zealand. In the end, the Blues got up 21-13. Let's jump straight to you, Matt. Give us your read on this one, mate. What do you think? Well, I'm, I'm trying to keep my rant short yeah. this week. Uh, just it, just it, out of interest, Matt, if you, if you actually go off the rails, does uh, Chex have to cop the suspension on your behalf? Yeah, it could happen. Um, yeah, he's on suspension now, right? Um, look, Suspended suspension. Yeah, I, I'm just... Oh, I've got such... I guess the bit that really got me this week was that what it looked like from the time... It looked like attitude is, is where it got to. Um, you know, lots of people, you know, shooting each other filthy looks, hands on hips, um, the whole bit. And it just... The bit that you couldn't help tie together, and it could be out of whack. I could have this wrong. I'm just a punter in an armchair. But, you know, was that it, you, you can't help but feel that the, the disdain for which Czech seems to hold everyone else. So, you know, whether you're a cameraman... Uh, whether it's, you know, a stupid ref making yet what, you know, he's laughing at their mistakes or, or he perceives to be their mistakes or whatever else. You, you know, people say, oh, but it's good, right, because he's sticking up for the players and um, they're going to really like that. But I, I don't know if the players, it's kind of, it seems to kind of infected them and they're a bit like, well, you know, we lose some lineouts, whatever. You know, we lose a few scrums, whatever. We give away penalties, whatever. You know, we'll still win, but they're not. 
Um, and it just, the whole attitude, I, I hope not, because, geez, they came out of the block so well with a real can-do attitude. And I don't know, it just didn't look that way against the Blues. Um, Interesting you observation, know. observation there, Matt, because mm. some of the discussion on the forum when, when Chica's suspension or suspended suspension and fine were handed down were the comments that a couple of the senior players at the Tars have been uh, caught on TV, at least, uh, swearing and abusing the assistant referee on the side. Uh, now, nothing's come of those. But, yeah, perhaps you're right. Maybe there's that feeling within the that culture, dare I say, within the team that um, the respect for the game or the team, for the ball is, is not there. Well, I guess the basic of it would be is, hey, it's everybody else has got the problem, I don't. Yeah. You know, and, and if, if that's the problem, if that is the, the attitude, then, you know, that's not a good attitude to have, right? So, you know, it can't always be the rest problem. It can't always be the, the glass door in Canberra Stadium's problem. Um, you know, it's, some of it's got to rest with the Tars and what they're doing or not doing. But anyway... You know, getting to the game, jeez, it was frustrating. It was almost as frustrating as being a Red supporter, Rich. Um, oh, gee, that, that, that took a bit longer than I thought to get the boot in. <laughs> and, 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 that's, and that's pretty tough at the moment. It was just, I mean, you know, anyone who watched it, it was just thigh-slappingly um, frust- infuriating, actually. Just, you know, they'd have some great play, and then it would just kind of fall apart. It was, you know, it was a knock-on. It was people running into each other. It was fumbles in the lineouts. Nick Phipps had, in my opinion, an absolute shocker. I don't usually like talking down players. And the other bit that he was getting into, which is the same sort of malaise we talk about with Lil Genio, is, you know, this really slow ball from the base of the ruck. Kind of looks up. It's not quite right. Let's reset. But let's reset every phase. Um, and, and it was that sort of stuff. Whenever they got into the 22, that then put the pressure on Beal to do something amazing. He tried to do that, and he'd end up going backwards. So, anyway, if you saw the game, you know what I'm talking about. Very frustrating, and it's not helping the Tars when, you know, we were kind of hoping they were going to be building to maybe getting a decent, you know, breaking that seven, what seems to be a 17,000 threshold, which they just can't bust at the moment. Yeah, look, it's it was a really surprising performance from my perspective, really messy, and I, I just, I can't read what's going on with the Tars, and maybe you've hit it on the head there, but they did look so good, and they're doing nothing but reaffirming the stigma they have of... You know, February, March champions and anything beyond that, they just dropped the bundle. It's like the Queensland Sheffield Shield team used to charge out of the gate and then anything after Christmas they'd lose and always fall aside. And they just had this stigma for years and years. And unfortunately, the Tars have had it and and they're not doing anything to disprove it at the moment. Yeah. Anyway, look, yeah, so that's my rant over. But uh, (laughs) hopefully they can pull it out. And, uh, you know, if if some of those passes had stuck, you know, what a different scoreline it would have been. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, yeah, that's the thing I think they'd be most frustrated with. It's not that they're they're not creating opportunities. It's not that they're they're stuck for stuck for stuck for chances. It's that it's those those chances that are created. They just they don't ever finish them, and it's it's just a, a lack of that final punch that they're missing. I think. Yeah. yeah. No clinical cutthroat. Finishing, and I can talk from experience there with our Reds team, and we'll, we'll get to them in a second. So, look, that that was the Waratahs. They went down 21 to 13 to the to the Blues, um, two tries to one, only down by five at, at the break, but um, had plenty of chances and just never took them. Uh, the next game of the round was the Brumbies Chiefs, and and what about this one, the the grand final rematch and. Brumbies just stole it, or stole it. They smashed it, 41 to 23. There, scoring their four tries, five tries uh, with the bonus point. 
but it was you know half time there. It was pretty tight, 13 to six, um, to the Brumbies' way. But that second half, they just clicked, and Matty Tamua scored a couple, Kurandrani scored a couple, and, and that man uh, Joe Timone, um, Tamani. Tamone. <laughs> um, Tamone. He's, he, I just I just love it. Um, he uh, he uh, scored one himself. So uh, the Brumbies just reasserting their position on the top of the Aussie Conference there, eh? Yeah, well, James Lowe got the yellow card, of course, um, early in the second half, and um, the floodgates just opened for the Brumbies after that, didn't they? They just they just went berserk. The thing about the Brumbies too is you see their highlights reel, and I remember back to this, the Reds at two eleven. You'd see their highlights reel, and how many length of the field tries were they scoring? What was teams combining? And it was all this sort of brilliance. You look at the Brumbies, and the majority of their tries are just this clinical. 10 to 15 metres out, and they're across. Mm. And it's that's by no means, I hope that doesn't sound derogatory, they're not having the flash. But what it just means is they're very effective. They've got the game plan, they get down there, they get in the zone, and they score their points. Mm. Um, and they do it very, very well. I oh, mean, it was like one of those tries, uh, it was the Kurandrani try, I think he's got a couple, but it was, it was exactly what you described. So, you know, 10 to 15 metres out, just same way rugby, but it was just at such a pace... Um, and you just the Chiefs were just going backwards, and it was just like you know two three meters every run, every, you know just a forward pod on the charge every time. It's you know classic Saffa stuff, and then you know and it was just like pop pop, and a guy just you know falls over the line. No one needs to do anything fancy, um, but I mean you know I, I, as I commented on Twitter, it was just it was like getting into a warm bath after the kind of the scattergun tar <laughs> that kind of had me rocking in a fetal position. Um, then to see, you know, see the Brumbies just come out and just do it, you know, everything just clicked, everything just worked, um, you know, pretty much every facet of the game, and you're just like, oh, this is, you know, this is what proper rugby looks like, right? Cam, have you been able to see what of the Brumbies this year, mate? What's your read on them? Yeah, I have seen a few games, and <clears throat> they actually remind me a lot of of Toulon over here, who they just, like, we, we had, we played them a few weeks ago, and we had them absolutely on the ropes, and we were playing. We we have a style a bit like the Reds 2011, but at the turn of half time, they just were able to 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 knock it up a little level, and they just started to play their game, and we we had no answers, and it was it's really really simple stuff. But when it's done well, it's really hard to stop. And yeah, the Brumbies, I mean, with their pack of forwards, that they there's not not really a star among them, but they're tough and they go forward and. It's really good to see. It is absolutely. It's you know, it, it's hard as an Aussie fan. It's good to see this this uh, this form because, quite frankly, from a Wallaby perspective, we'll we'll be relying on a few of them. Um, the next game of the round was uh, Sharks v Highlanders. Sharks going down to the Highlands, which was a surprise, particularly as it was over there, 34 to 18. Next game was of course Hurricanes v the Reds, where the Hurricanes did us and they did us good, 35 to 21 and. If you ask me, that score was quite fluttering to the Reds. Uh, we're only we're actually leading at halftime, weren't we? That's right, 14 to 10. We got that first try through Benny Lucas, work, a well-worked move. Uh, Bo running off uh, a Quade Cooper pass and, and handing the ball nicely out to Benny Lucas there. But Corey Jane was the man on the day. Three tries, a lot of them day on JJ Tuilagi's wing. Wing, not blaming JJ. He was caught in a, between a rock and a hard place and, and usually in field that was uh, but was let down by his inside men and this is I just can't get it with the Reds this, guys, this year guys It's you might as well just go listen to the previous podcast but it's such a frustrating situation at the moment 
somewhat like we just talked about the Waratahs, there's opportunities there, they're not finishing them. But I don't think, in fact, this last game, they didn't create as many opportunities as they have previously. But we just, we're not looking like a combination by any means. Uh, we seem lost and, and, and that's what happens when, you know, Quade's all of a sudden trying these kicks and they're going backwards. It's just indicative of our, of our play this year and that uh, things we're trying are going wrong and, and things we, uh, you know, we're not just putting things together as a unit, which is really disappointing. I thought this was a game, James Hall's 100th game for Queensland. It was a real chance for us to, to show a bit of heart and uh, solid first half, but we were, we were well off. Well, we, we can't really um, talk about the Reds at the moment without, um, whether it's fairly or unfairly, talking about the coach. Um, he, he's getting a bit of stick at the moment, Richard Graham, and obviously he's come in with some pretty big shoes to fill. Um, but Reg, I, I guess as a Red supporter, um, as, as an outsider, I've always seen that uh, since the Reds won the, the, the Cup, they've, um, I don't know, there's been a little bit of an era of entitlement and they're, uh, they're a little bit better than everyone else and um, they seem to just be sliding down the perch a little bit. Are they, are they playing for each other or is, it, is the coach just uh, not, not use, using them right? Uh, mate, it's such a hard question. Look, I, I will support Richard this year. I, to be fr- frank, I'll probably question a few of the selections and, and I'll question them again this week for his game, for our game versus the Blues and we can talk a bit about that later. Um, it's it's hard to say what's happening on the field, but I, they, they're not they don't seem to be playing for each other. Um, I can hear what you're saying in terms of that sense of entitlement, and, and maybe that was there. It's hard. Those guys sort of peaked pretty amazingly uh, in that 211 year, and they're all young guys. But I I refuse to believe they don't have the same drive to achieve it again. And maybe it was it was all lip service because they did talk about that and creating this bloody dynasty that we haven't seen um, since. Um, but uh, look, they'll all take some responsibility for it, which is obviously a bit cliched. But I can't blame Richard Soling, um, but um, he'll take some portion of the blame. But the players themselves, they just there's some. Mate, all it took is a, across the season three or four passes that went to hand or or stayed in hand, and you know it's a different story. It's it's all a lot of what ifs, but it, it's hard to blame that sort of stuff on the coach. No, but I, I, I just uh, what uh, Gags was saying about the Tars boys putting their hands on their hips and glaring at each other. I, I see a lot of that with the Reds as well, except they're, they're kind of looking at each other with blank faces like, oh, I thought you were going to do that. They, they don't seem to really know what each other are going to be doing. Well, let's go to the man, Cam. You were with the Reds at one of our low points. You were, did you even play that infamous game versus the Bulls, the 90 points? I did. I did. I was. I. I came off the bench at about the 50 minute mark, and we were we were down 63-6 at that stage. So <laughs> didn't didn't get, didn't get any better when I came on. And and what's the feeling within a team when it's just not going right for you? You know, is it just oh. does it become quite insular? Are you looking at yourself? Are you looking at others? What's 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 happening? Yeah, well, yeah I mean that season was quite particular because yeah. we were we were with Eddie Jones as well, and that had that. Well, with respect to Eddie, that adds a, that adds an extra pressure. Me, me personally, that that entire season, I was questioning everything. Everything I did, I was I was in my head pretty much the the whole time. And I can imagine when we weren't coming off the back of any success, I can imagine that when you've had success and and there hasn't been a huge turnover in them in in key players and that sort of thing, that the questions would be what why is what we were doing not working anymore. It's a tough mental state to be in, and, and I think 
like you, you talk about the the sense of entitlement, but sometimes that can be a good thing that you you can you can approach a game and approach approach a season almost saying we we are the best and you you should be able to train and play with that mentality but if and you, if you take that into a game it can sometimes be really beneficial and you you can you can dominate people but so far since since 2011 it hasn't really happened for the reds yeah that's right look i i, I do look i you know it, it was a hard game to watch but there's still those individuals i i, I think the word of bo i think bo's just Fantastic year. He's such a tough prick, and he takes all these hits. The last couple of games, he's caught some massive hits, and he just keeps on going. And I'm shattered he was benched this week. I can understand the under, I can understand the selection of Liam Gill, but I think it's really hard on Bo. He's been fantastic and been one of the few that you can really see just giving his absolute all. Um, Chris Eftatua was obviously very dangerous, still quite raw um, out wide, but made a lot of meters. Uh, and Benny Taps, I thought, was a, again very good, uh, very good straightening that that line and so on. But um, if there's any sort of glimmer of positivity out of that game, it was those guys. Although I might add, I thought Curtis Browning was a very good from the bench as well. But uh, he's been dropped for this weekend, so that's another thing we can talk about later. But uh, Gags, did you see this one? Made any comment on the my beloved but the beraggled Reds? Yeah, I mean, when you start to see more additions for the Quade Cooper blooper reel. Um, you know that what's happening underneath it isn't good either. Um, yeah, there just seems to be... I, here's another viewpoint, which is that, you know, what Richard Graham picked up wasn't hitting in the right direction either. Yep. Um, and for whatever reason, I don't know if he's been given the opportunity or not, but he hasn't... There's been almost zero changes, right? Except for, like, a few people who've bubbled up through the junior ranks. Um, and when you've got the senior guys not performing and then real juniors who aren't there yet, you see what we saw. Um, so it's just if if he's to have a go at it, really he'd need to be able to you know move quite a few players in and out of that thing, and and, and probably have to break out of this. Everyone needs to be from perce- perceived to be from Queensland um, thing. That's a really um, good point. Good point, Gags, and that's something I reckon. It's something I've been thinking about later. He and I can see that he's a he's a proud Queenslander. Spindle, he's you know been around a bit, but he he played for the Reds and has come through the system. And I don't know whether there is this this opinion of his that they want to be or Queenslanders, but successful teams of late in Australia and even back to the Reds at 2-11 have recruited really wisely. I mean, that 2-11 team, and it goes back to Phil Mooney and bringing in the Fahingas, but Bo's selection and and guys like this. But you look what the force have done and how they've recruited there and, you know, Sayus Everson and Albie Matthewson and and guys like that and what where they're bringing to the team and the Brumbies and, and their little connection of even, you know, the South Africans, the Sam Carter and even Fardy. I mean, Fardy was almost discarded by most provinces out there, but all of a sudden he's, you know, he's arguably one of the world's best back rowers at the moment. Um, and and uh, the Rebels too, they, you know, they've picked up some, and then this is what has happened with this fifth team. We've, teams have had to recruit a lot smarter. Now, Richard's brother and some young guys that we haven't seen that yet this year because they've been injured. Uh, Kurandrani and, and Karevi, uh, Sarevi, who I think are, are, are fantastic players, but they've been injured. But maybe it's time to recruit a little bit smarter as well. I think you're right, Matt. Well, I, I've heard some yeah rumours about some marquee players there that uh, you know kind of go as a package that might be moving on. So there might be a couple of spots coming up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, without pointing the finger. I think you're right, mate. I think the time is drawing to a close for a couple of those guys, absolutely. Was that too obvious? <laughs> not at all, not at all. 
Okay, well, let's move on to the Reds. I'll move on from the Reds and move on to a, another successful team. And here they are, the Western Force, winning again, 15-9 uh, against the Bulls. The Bulls have lost a, full, a few in a row now, but um, but still, it's a, it's a win's a win for the Force. It was dire conditions, guys. Cam, Daz, I don't know if you guys saw this game at all. Uh, the thing about the Force that I'm seeing at the moment is that. Um, a year ago, two years ago, the boys couldn't win a game um, if it was given to them on a platter. And, and yet, um, I don't think I've seen a team um, play for each other as much as I've seen the, the Force boys play for each other this year. They're, they're as tight as hell, aren't they? They really are. They, they, they are a real unit. And, and that's one of those obvious things I would have thought that comes from the coach, that you can see from a coach and, and the impact that Foley is having over there. I think you've got to give Matty Hodgson a lot of credit too. He, um, he's, I mean, the way he's always played has been, has been courageous, but I think the way he's led as well has, has been fantastic for that team. And, and the, I think the win on the weekend was really important for them. It was an ugly, ugly game, but they did, they really needed to keep the momentum going. And at that, at that stage, it, it's quite a critical point for them. Whereas, how have they lost that? It, it could change change a lot of things for their season, but that momentum's kept going. And at the end of the day, the 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 multitude of errors that occurred in that game can be put down to conditions or whatever else. But um, but but they got the win, and, and in two weeks' time, that's that's what'll count, not not the fashion that it came in. Yeah, and, and to the credit, the way they won won their cam, and you made that point about the conditions. But it was you know. Um, Everson really controlled that game and, and it shows, and that's a really important tight footy and, and, and high-pressure football that they played to win that game. So, look, I think that, that bodes really well for them and, and what, um, you know, what's up against them in the, in, in the ensuing weeks. You know, they've still got South Africa to come and so on where they travel over there, albeit playing the, the Cheetahs and the Stormers who are down the bottom of the ladder. But it's, uh, it's a, a big shot for them and, and you know, they're now, where are they sitting now? I think they're sitting fourth on the ladder. Uh, once again, they're above third place. The, the Hurricanes there in third place and 26 points, and the Force are sitting on 27 points. But, you know, they're, they're doing the job and, and, and playing really well. I tell you what, you know, someone, one of the boys said that uh, the, the Force had won ugly, but I tell you what, it would have to be pretty big stretch to, to be uglier than the, the, the Bulls away jumper. That was pretty ordinary, I thought. <laughs> the camo. Yeah, the camera. Well, apparently a few of the Bulls supporters, without wanting to go out and um, sort of shell out for the official merchandise, literally went down to the local uh, second-hand uh, army <laughs> store and bought camo gear um, and looked just as uh, just as uh, loyal. So, yeah. Mate, it, it's South Africa, mate. They just open up the wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. So that was the force, yeah. That's, so just all, all kicks in that game, Everson five, and, and then three to the uh, three penalties to the Bulls as well. And to round out the round, the Cheetahs uh, scored plenty of points against the Stormers, who also scored plenty of points in a game that you would expect went exactly that way for a two-bottom-of-the-ladder team. So that was uh, round 11, and um, from my perspective, happy to put it behind us. Um, yeah, well, my tipping was stuffed, so there. Yeah, look, I don't think I put my tips in, so I don't know what that would effect would have had for me. I don't think it would have been any worse than what it would have been if I actually put mine in, so I'm with you. Alright, so that 
was week 11. We're going to move on now. We've got some special guests. Steve from Canberra joins us. Hey, Steve. How are you going, mate? Good. Thanks. How are you? Excellent. Now we've got this decent panel here. What we're going to do now, we want to talk Wallaby squad. We had a bit of a mid-season review uh, a couple of weeks ago, just talk about the Super Rugby teams themselves. But now we want to talk, it's only about four or five weeks away from our first Wallaby game versus the Frogs. So let's talk about the Wallaby team. Bob Dwyer wrote an interesting article on the blog uh, last week about his Wallaby selection and as per... Bob's want. There was some oh, much wailing, much wailing and gnashing of teeth. Exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure Matt convinced him that uh, twisted his arm not to pick a few Queenslanders in there just to keep the blog alive. <laughs> Always worth plenty of eyeballs that one. No, uh, it's 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 not done deliberately. Uh, th- that's. Bob's viewpoint, but yeah, any any harm that goes Quaid way is always worth a lot, plenty of ire. <laughs> well, it's hard to dispute. Look, look, let's start with the obvious. There's got to be some actually. How, how do we go about selecting here? My my perspective is we had a great end of season tour. We picked, you know, first names written down on the piece of paper is that, and then someone's got to make a case to 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 replace those players. Um, I think that's a fairly you know solid way to start. Oh, look, listen, to, to be honest, mate, when the when the end of season tour finishes, there are no wallabies. I reckon you start you start the squad from 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 the start of the new season. That's the way I'd see it. Interesting. Okay, okay. Well, let's talk certainties. There's obviously, obviously some givens. Can we all agree, Izzy Falau is a, a given at fifteen? Oh, no questions. Uh, and who else? Who else we got a given? Stephen Moore at two. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay, and then uh, okay seven. So surely Michael Hooper. Yep. Yep. No question. Yep. Six. Scott Fardy. Six. Yeah. The only question there with Fards is, and I'm against Fardy would be my six for sure, as I know some people are pushing him to be at lock, at looking at our supposed uh, lack of depth in lock. So. Um, I'm not against... Uh, look, I am against it. I think he's our six, and I think we've got plenty of depth in the, at lock to cover that. Uh, well, well, I mean, Lord Laurie himself says he doesn't think he's got the size for international lock. So that's... that's that's um, Yeah, Laurie uh, Fisher's viewpoint, but I think he's, you know, he was hands down our best six, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, anyone, any other certainties, do we think? I really liked oh, it. Definitely I liked silence, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, and I'm going. I'm, I'm I'm doing what Daz said not to do. But I'm going off the end of center trip. I really liked the the Cooper Tamua combo. I, I I think it works really well. It can give you give you attacking options on both sides of the ruck if you need them, and they work quite well together. I, I'd I'd definitely stick with that. Um, I'm, I know Quade is Quade, and he's having his Quade time of the year, but um. I would always, always pick him in there, always. Yeah, I like that. Look, look, I, I agree. Watching this last game, I, I threw my little hissy fit and said, you just can't pick Quaid. Tamura, to me, is a certainty in this team. Um, it's just where you pick him. Um, but I, I agree. I thought that combination on the uh, last year's tour was superb. I thought it was almost Ella Liner-like back to 84. But... Um, they would definitely be my select. Oh, look, I, I say definitely. I wasn't picking Quaid six days ago, but um, I'm comfortable with that decision. Anyone, what do you reckon, Steve? You got anything else, wise? And you'd like to get Lily Afano or someone in there? Yeah, you'd want to hope to, but 
even he can't get a or he's battling for a spot down here when he came back from his injury. So, you know, three into two. Can we maybe Pat McCabe after his great year? Where does he go? I'm not sure. I know Ewan was down here on Friday night, so we'll leave the tough decisions to him. All right. Well, let's let's. Uh, Daz, you got any other opinion there in the halves in the, at ten at twelve? <laughs> Mate, you've just said the magic number twelve. Um, there is absolutely no way I can go through this conversation without putting Mitch in at 12, mate. There is absolutely no chance whatsoever that I'm not going to have a crack at that. <laughs> right, so who's your 10? Look, I'm all for that. Let's talk combinations here. Who's your working? Are you, are you picking Tamura at 10? Or? I don't know. Who's the Rebels 10? We'll put him yeah. in there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Tamura at 10, I think, is an, is an absolute uh, lay-down there to be perfectly honest, at this stage. Yeah, OK. I'll dispute that. Iman's playing, playing really well. I, I, and uh, whether he gets a shot, I don't know. I actually would think he's still probably behind uh, the likes of Paddy McCabe, at least, um, and uh, even Lily Ofano. But I, 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 McCabe would be my... Oh, favorite. look, yeah, McCabe, McCabe is... Um, if, if there's such a thing as an incumbent, then, then he's, he's the one. Um, the the man's just as tough as nails. I've, you know, he rip his head off and he'll keep scoring tries. Yeah, absolutely. I'd okay, like to well, see, see given a crack at thirteen, possibly. Well, that's a good question. Who does play thirteen? Kurandrani's look. He probably wasn't the incumbent, wasn't he? Because he was suspended at the time. They must have moved Adam Ashley Cooper into to thirteen. But um, from my perspective, I, I'm a massive Kurandrani fan, so I would have him there. Any other thoughts? I think that's right. Um, Kurandrani would go there. And even after the Chiefs game the other night, um, Laurie Fisher said that having Leo Lafano playing at 12 helped Kurandrani, and, and he scored two tries, so you can't argue with that. just gives him a little bit more room uh, to play with, as uh, Laurie was saying, and just um, puts a bit of doubt in the other defend- in the defenders' minds as to who's going to carry the ball and uh, just make it interesting that way for the defenders to have something else to think about. Yep. What do you reckon, Cam? Have you? What are your thoughts on Kurandrani? Just a young guy, but big, fast, and he's got some decent skills. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Look, he's. I like the way he can get on the get on the outside of his on the outside of a third, on on his, of his opposite number and uh, and serve his winger. He's got a, he's got he's got good uh, good lateral vision and and he's definitely got that burst of pace that that you need. I I really like him. Look, I, I guess I throw Paddy McCabe in at thirteen for his for his surety and and his defence, um, I think it's a, a lot. It's a, it's the most difficult channel to defend in the in the game, I reckon. And and I haven't I haven't seen enough of Kieran Drain at his national level to to know that he could he could do that well. Whereas I always reckon you could. I don't know if Paddy you can play Paddy McCabe out of position because he covers everything so well. <laughs> but um, I just think he could be really good there and. and even as a as a wide a wide option straight from ten to ten to thirteen, he's always going to make the gain line. And uh, I don't know, I just like him there. But um, Kieran yeah, he's very very good as well, and I, I wouldn't ever complain if he was picked. Yeah, some of his defensive alignments, he has been caught out there sometimes, and that's like you say. I think it's young guy playing the position, uh, playing like you say, the hardest defensive position in the back line. All right, let's go wider, guys. Who are our wings? Uh, a lot of talk about. Uh, Nick Cummins, obviously, the, the honey badger. Is he the given that everyone thinks he should be? Daz, what do you think? 
I'm not sold. I'm not sold on uh, on Nick on the wing. Uh, I think I think we've got better options out there. I think I think Nick um, certainly uh, has his moments, um, but I just haven't seen enough of him at Test level to to really want to lock him in there. Alternatives, mate. I don't know. I'm, I'm still. I don't know. I've still got this uh, this feeling that uh, I, know, I know it's probably a bit of a uh, an outside um, shot at the moment. But I, I still think that um, Rod Davies has has something to offer there. You know, he's got that pure speed. That's for sure. Well, you know, and even Bob Dwyer says it himself. You know, speed is everything in a winger. Yep. What about you, Steve? You, obviously, Tamani's a, would be a leading contender for one of those. Spites, given that Spites one injured but also not available until, I think, September, October. Do uh, you think Tamani's the man and do you think Kamo or someone else might be on that wing? Yeah, I think Nick Cummins will probably be in the mix there, probably on the left wing. And with the right wing, um, Adam Ashley Cooper is probably... He's going to have to be there somewhere. Um, and if he's been pushed out of his you know, customary 13 position by Kurandrani, and he did play on the wing in the, in the end of the year tour. So I think with his experience as well... He just needs to be there if you're going to be going with some inexperienced combinations elsewhere in the back line. Yeah, look, oh, it's an interesting one. Like, I know what you're saying with AAC. I get the feeling he's on his way out, but I, he'll be one of those guys that just keeps performing, doesn't he, when you put him in there and they'll be hard to drag him away. Cummins, I know what you're saying, Daz, on the same. Even that game where he scored the three tries, uh, the, the hat trick, he only touched the ball four times and, and you know... Um, made a lot of metres but they were all from intercepts inside I, I'm a fan of Camo I, I think his attitude's awesome and I think he, he reminds me a lot like Rob Edgerton back in that 91 team where he just does those yeah it's the efforts that there those little things that he does and he chases and so on um, yeah I'd, I'd probably like to see him um, and, and look he's, it's not going to happen because there's other people way ahead of him but he's, he's the kind of bloke that you want close to the action you give him the ball and, 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 and give him a chance to, to make something happen yeah that's, a, that's the thing I think you've got to talk about with him he's, he's not a pure finisher and to, to keep him out on the on the on the edge all the time hoping he's going to be able to use pace to to get around guys I don't, I don't think that's really his his go I think he's still he's a winger you should be able to bring bring in off off the hip of the 10 or off the inside of the 12 a lot more yep. especially with his size and his strength but yeah he's not a pure finisher but that I think in a team you need one guy who is pure out and out speed and then another guy in the frame of Nick Cummins for yeah. I don't know who the speed guy is, but I'd have Nick Cummins in there. Yeah, that, that balance is interesting. I think you're right there. You put Camo there, do you have space for AAC, who's solid without the speed? Um, but who do we have at the moment? And, and Tamani's probably the the only other real option there at the moment. Um, all right, well, that's a, that's a position to watch. What about nine, guys? We've got uh, Genny is the, obviously the, the incumbent, and everyone's, you know, there's a plenty of question, uh, plenty of question as to, his form at the moment, slight injury in the last game, but he's been selected for this week. Or is Nick White the man these days? Uh, oh, it's, it's Nick White. You've got to give Nick a crack, I think. I think, look, um, Will, uh, don't get me wrong, he's, he's, he's been a great nine. Um, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit now of um, uh, George Gregan on the, on the downward slope. You know, he's he started to become a second behind reaction and he's, he's taking the extra step and he's... He just seems to have lost that little bit of instinctiveness about him. Yeah, I think there's a little stuff there. I think is you know, some say he's slow from the ruck, but I don't necessarily agree. I think the box kick can can be 
put away in his back pocket forever as far as I care, but um, I'm not as convinced Will's out of his game, but um, I, I'm not against giving White a chance. Uh, Steve, you'd be a, a White fan, obviously. Yep, Nick White only. Not, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you have to... He'd have to be there, at least give him a shot, maybe start one of the three tests against the French. Um, you know, his kicking game is, if he's long-distance kicking at least, is, is, is very good. Uh, he just needs a, to work on a few kicks uh, just around the field where they just seem to, tends to get a few out in the full in key positions on the field. And if you can tidy that up, um, I think he'd have to be in there because uh, he can add that extra kicking option and maybe take a bit of the heat away from um, Quaid. Well, particularly if if, um, if Matt Tamur's on the field as well, or, or um, Lilo, I mean, just that combination alone uh, would make it work. Yeah. All right. Look, I'm happy to give it a go. I'll give that a tick for you then. Cam, let's move into the forwards, mate, and let's start with your position, the locks. Uh, a lot of talk, as I said, about you know, our depth in the locks, uh, the incumbents, uh, Horwell and, and Simmons up to it. We've got... Some young guys in Will Skelton and Adam Coleman over in the West, who was one of Bob Dwyer's, um, you know, uh, uh, selections, shock, shock selections, and, and Bob's done some good ones of those in the past. Obviously, still Kane Douglas around, Sam Carter from the Brumbies is another one, and obviously the two Rebels too. We shouldn't forget those, Luke Jones and Hugh Pyle. So there actually is a fair bit of decent uh, form out there. Who would you go for, Cam? Um, I'd, I'd, I'd still always have Kevy. Um, Good. He, he's, he's a leader, and even I don't even care if he's not captain. He's still, he's still a leader of men, and he, he, he takes guys with him. He takes the ball forward, and uh, come line out time, he's, he's reasonably solid too. Um, the other ones, I'd have him on the right side of the scrum. On the left side of the scrum, I think that, that one's pretty open. Um, I haven't seen enough of Coleman to to really make a comment on him. Um, Hugh Pyle has been there or thereabouts for a while, but he's he's about to fly, so I don't know whether you you give him the chance or not. Um, I'd really like to see them give Will Skelton go, possibly off the bench. Interesting, yeah. The left side lock, which I think has got to be your number one line-out, uh, line-out option. That, to me, is still really open, and I think... Um, Kevy Kevy's the automatic selection, and outside of that, I think it's really open. Yeah, I think um, I think Hugh Pyle has um, done his dash. To be honest, uh, we're a year out from the World Cup. Um, then they're not going to pick Pyle in the team. They're going to be they're going to be picking for for an eye on next year. Yeah, I, I agree. I wouldn't I wouldn't select um, Pyle or Benny Mo and people going overseas, I, particularly in positions where we do have some depth. And you know, Luke Jones is a damn good player. Um, Kane Douglas, I've always appreciated as a player. I think you're right. Coleman's very raw in the West, but um, Steve, what do you think? Sam Carter, he's a he'd be a bit of a, a left field selection, but he's he's definitely got the form and he's got the size about him. Yeah, he's he's been playing pretty well for the Brumbies this year. Um, he's probably I think one of the few that haven't had any Wallaby experience in there, probably alongside with Jared Butler. But he is leading the tackle count down here for the Brumbies, so he gets in there and does the real dirty work, and you know, it's nothing flashy about it. But um, just the other day, Ben Mullen was saying, when you see the video review session, he's always in there um, doing stuff that few would want to, and he just does what he needs to and does it well. 
So, you know, to, to step up, and he's got plenty of help around him if he needed it, um, with the Brumbies to help him step up to the next level, and why not give him a go? Yeah, I reckon there'll be a good chance there. At the back now, who do we pick at the back? We've got Form there in, uh, obviously, Cliffy Parley. We've got Benny McCalman over in the west, and Scotty Higginbotham down south. Daz, tell me why you want Scott Higginbotham in the team. <sighs> I, I, um, I found the, the comments from, um, uh, you know, Bob Dwyer knows a hell of a lot more about rugby than I do, but um, gee, I th- I've always thought that when uh, when Higgins puts the, the, the gold jersey on, he's, um, he's, he's just a machine. And, and look, for the Rebels, he's been um, absolutely, um, his work rate is intense. Um, yeah, look, I, I take Bob's point that, you know, Higgins will sometimes have a bit of a walk around the field, but... Um, um, gee, what he what he offers a team, and, and and he's a leader of a bloke as well. Blokes blokes respect him. Um, having said that, uh, Benny McKelman's really ticked all the boxes this year, and um, he'd, he'd probably feel a little bit hard done by if he wasn't given a crack. Steve, this is one position the Brumbies actually don't uh, necessarily have a uh, a finger in the pie on. Cam, we'll come back to you, mate. Sorry, Steve. Sorry, mate. One position you don't have a finger in the pie on there. What, what's your somewhat uh, impartial call here well firstly it's good to have some depth at number 8 for a change um, yeah. usually it was when Parley was inevitably injured it was like oh no who are we, who are we going to turn to now but if, now that we're building some depth there it's the, if one of those guys does go down uh, the transition to the next guy won't, probably won't be as, as painful or as obvious so I think um, you know, Higgers work in the field he can Pull out flashes of brilliance, um, which you know, like the chip kick try for the Rebels early in the season, which is good. And then you you can have Palu who can just work and work and work, and um, he's not flashy, but does does his job well. So you know, Higgins missed out last year with his injury. So if he can come back in with the form that he was showing previously, that that would be very good. Yeah, I think I think Higgins will get picked. Um, I suspect that Benny McCalman will will get the run. I, I think he'll get the nod for the start. That's my gut feel. Um, but I, I agree with you, Steve. It's a good problem to have a year out from a World Cup to have um, some pretty solid depth in some key positions. Yeah, Cam, have you been able to see much of this to gauge an opinion on on a number eight? Yeah, I'd um, I'd, I'd definitely go with Scotty Higginbotham and I'd equal equally for the start. I think. Um, I was reading about Bob's comments about when he walks, but you, for me, number eight, it's a really powerful, dynamic position. You can have a number eight who's in, in perpetual motion, who you know is a grinder, who does does the work, but you want someone who's when he carries a ball is is powerful and dynamic, and and maybe Scotty, his work rate outside of those moments, possibly is a little bit less than some of the others, but I think what he what he adds is is that dynamic running that uh. That the others probably just don't have, and I think he's probably a bit better line-out option as well. And when we're yep. coming up against our World Cup time Northern Hemisphere teams, we need more than two, two, two solid line-out options. And I think he's probably just a bit, 
a bit above, well, definitely above Cliffy and, and, and probably above Benny McCarman as well at the line-out, so I think I'd always go with Scotty. Yeah, interesting. Look, I think Palu's out of it. I think the fact that the Waratahs have to manage him now just discounts him from a test series because you can't manage in a test series, and maybe the doctors will prove me wrong, but uh, I, my personal, I'm a big fan of, as you're saying, with the, the wingers there, Cam, you need that balance. I'm a big fan of that in the back row, and with Hooper there and, and having that fantastic running game and, and work rate and Fardy there, actually brings a bit of both games to uh, his play at, at six. McCowan's a man for me at eight. He's got that... This year, he's just really upped his game in terms of physicality in the contest, and I think that, that brings that toughness that we need in Test Match Rugby that we're going to need to, to beat the All Blacks and the Springboks consistently, and let alone the Northern Hemisphere teams next year. But he'll be there. But regardless, they'll both be in the 23, Higgers and McCowan, and, and I think they'll both be real assets to what the Wallabies do this year. So that's actually really exciting for us. That's, that's a good one for us. Let's move to the, the key men of the team. They say the first man selected should be the tight head prop and the second man selected should be the reserve tight head prop. So let's let's go straight to tight head prop. Well, let's deal with both props at the moment. Uh, any thoughts here, Steve? The Brumby front rowers have been in fantastic form this year. They'd be a starting point to look at at least. Benny Alexander, first and foremost. Yeah, Brumby scrum's been together for quite a few years now, or at least more, and um, Alexander have. Uh, and you got the inclusion of Scott Seo there as well. So... Um, you know, if you're going, going back to the combination thing, um, you know, Moore is going to be picked first hooker easily. Uh, so Alexander, I know he's had his critics in the past, but in the Brumby scum's been pretty solid this year. Uh, a Do you remember of, that uh, defensive uh, uh, tight head they lost and went for a pushover try against the Reds? Oh, someone stood up in front of me at that game. I didn't see it, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> apart from that, uh, they <laughs> <Sorry. you know, laughs> That's all right. Uh, apart from that, you know, it's been pretty pretty good throughout the year. So if you're going to be going with, uh, the, like I said, the combinations, stick with that. And so. loose and loose head. What do you reckon? Uh, I think you. I might make you happy here and say maybe slipper. Yeah. Um, I, I've just noticed uh, you know, Ben Robinson just dropping off a bit. Um, you know, he got dropped by Mackenzie last year and he, it, then he came back and obviously played quite well so I don't know if he's venturing into that territory again but um, I think Slipper might be the go because he's been one of the better Reds players in a reasonably disappointing season so far yeah, I think he's been remarkable Sorry, go on. That... No, I was just going to say I mean uh, we, we keep, I keep mentioning it but being, being the year out from the World Cup do you think for the, for the French Tour um, and, and certainly for heading towards the end of the year it's more than likely that you know that um, Link's going to have to blood some 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 young boys uh, to, to in in the in the front row. Um, you know, is the French Tour as good a time as any to put some of these guys in there? I think Co will definitely be on the bench. I think he's our second best loose head prop. I'd, I'd be having Slipper starting with with Alexander, same as Steve there. The two that might be a shot and maybe a bit of a long shot, maybe not. Nakira Longbottom and Pet Cowan from the Force. I think they've been both. Very solid for the last few years, but particularly strong this year. I was glad to see Peck Cowan get back in the starting team uh, this year after missing a few games. I, I think I'm a big fan of Peck's, and I think he's still pretty reasonably young. He got on the team as a young guy, but he's had plenty of experience. They're probably dark horses. Um, Peck's played a bit of test football. Um, Longbottom hasn't, but he's a solid enough tight head. But um, it's whether Kepu's there, Paddy Ryan, Ben Robinson, it's those Waratah threesome. Yeah, I'm not too sure that they've, they've earned their spot just yet. 
Yeah, it's interesting that um, that Bob in his list puts um, um, young Alo Emil um, from the Rebels on that squad. And um, look, as you know, and I, I, I obviously watch him pretty closely at the Rebels games, and, and he is um, he's certainly one to watch. But gee, to put him in a gold jersey this year is a bit of an ask. I would have thought. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's talented, and he's always has been from schoolboy days. But it's um, too early. You, you need the constancy for rugby, I reckon, under your feet before you start playing Test match rugby. Says me from no experience whatsoever. But you just you, you just get the feeling he needs a bit more of a run. Cam, any opinion yourself on on the the fatties at the front? Um, again, I don't think I've seen enough this yep. season. But I, my my opinion on on what since I've been since I've come from Australia to Europe, my opinion on what a front row should offer has just completely done an about face. I used to be whoever had the best, you know, general play type stuff and then could hold up a scrum was was who I'd go with. But now I just go out and out the best scrummages and and leave that leave that to be their job. If they get the ball they've got no other no other role than other than to walk forwards. Um other than that, I've, I've definitely picked the two best scrummages. And I, from this season, I, I haven't seen enough to, to say who that would be, but you guys might be able to enlighten me more on that. But I'd, I'd, I'd say definitely the two best scrummages. That's interesting. I would suggest it would be the two Brumby guys. I reckon Scotty Seos, just a monster. I think he's the strongest loose head scrummager around, and I don't think there's been much question about Benny Alexander be the, the best tight head. I guess uh, the, we do have the, the Rebels to consider as the, um, some of their, their imports there, Daz. Um, Smith in particular might be might be a chance. Uh, yes, yeah, Toby might be might be a, a bit of a dark horse. Um, uh, at this stage, look the the, the rebels the, the rebels uh, front row at the moment. You know you've got um, Alamir, you've got Toby, you've got um, uh, young Max or not young Max Lahif. All the boys are young to me, but um, yeah, uh, Max Lahif's come over from um, from London. Um, they're good, solid young players that have got some real talent, but um, to, to be putting them into a Wallabies context at this stage, um, I'd, I'd be looking um, well outside the Rebels area at this stage. Yeah. All right. Look, guys, that's our Wallaby team. Look, you know, we've had a bit of a chat. I guess what it shows is, let's just quick round table. How are we feeling? I'm actually feeling pretty confident about the form. I think it's obviously the success of the depth of the Aussie Conference, but we are having getting more players who seem to be performing and, and, and giving us some options there. Which is which is great to see, Steve. What do you feel? You feel pretty happy with how this Wallaby side might potentially span out? Yeah, things are looking pretty good. You know, we've got a couple of injuries there. Obviously, Pocock probably the biggest of the list there. Um, but I think with the emergence of Hooper, it's showing that the the depth isn't such a big issue. Like uh, back to the World Cup when um, Poey went down for that island game and it was like, oh, my God, what's happened now? Yeah. What are we going to do? Um, it's not so bad now. Uh, we do have that, that depth in not just that position but um, around the, the park in general. Yeah, and, and Cam, you know, it's the French that we're going to be playing. Can you give us a quick heads up what we can expect from them? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting because um, the, the the first game will be will be basically without... Any of the two grand final sides, the the, the grand finals played here on the first of June, so they're not they're not going to be on the plane till the second or the third. Um, so the first game will be will be it'll be interesting. It'll be a mix of players. You know, I think Philippe and Andre's got a got a tendency to lean towards guys from the bigger bigger teams, and he almost ignores the bottom bottom eight teams of the comp, which is which is 
ridiculous mm. because he's missing a lot of good talent. There's a lot of good talent over here that, that haven't been picked up by a Toulouse or a Toulon, but are, are international quality. And he, he's, his idea is if you're not playing the top six teams, then you're not selectionable, um, which is ridiculous. But that will be the one game where he's he's forced to pick outside of that group, and it'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, I think the French forwards have not developed how they should have. They've lost the, the tough edge, and I think it'll, it's actually going to be a really good warm-up series for the Aussies to get into the uh, to the Four Nations because I don't think forwards-wise, which is where we're renowned in Australia as not being our strongest point, I don't think the French are going to be as as strong as in years gone by. And I think it'll be a really good one for us. Yeah, excellent. Good to see. Well, I, I saw some stats the other day. They actually haven't been, beaten us in Australia in the professional era. I think you have to go back to 1990 for the last time the French won a test match in Australia um, uh, against the Wallabies. Yeah. Hey, uh, just a, a question for Tree. Um, Cam, is there, um, uh, is there a young uh, up-and-coming um, uh, player for the French team that, that we wouldn't know too much about that you think should be one to watch? Well, I think um, we've we've got a. Uh, it's actually, there was the the French backs coach was actually at our training yesterday having a look at this young guy. He's a young uh, outside centre called Felix Labouris, and he he has every skill, and he often he's, he's a type of guy who who he's really raw and finds himself out of position sometimes in defence but he has such a such an electric speed that he can just cover it and it, it's like he was never out of position he, um, he he's a real confidence player but I think a French cap would give him the confidence he need to really really push through I mean he's, he's in a, hot, a lot of competition with Wesley Fofana but um, I think he'd be really one to watch and there's a and there's Gail Gail Figu as well, who's a young guy from Toulouse, who's only 21. And I, I watched the uh, in the 20s, I think it was last year when they played Australia. They played them twice, and he absolutely carved Australia up twice. So he's another one as well. Excellent, good stuff. Look, back to Wallabies, France, and, and we'll talk more about that over the coming months. And thanks for the insight there, Cam. We also want to chat to you about the other end of the scale. Obviously, the NRC kicks off later this year after the Super Rugby season folds. We we haven't had much news come through um, we're, we're going to try and green and gold rugby and, and make this a bit of a talking point over the ensuing months and we've got some guests due to come on the podcast who will help uh, us get the word out there and, and give us a bit of insight on some of the um, some of the happenings that it is the NRC but Cam you're obviously uh, highly involved in the inaugural back in 2007 in fact captain of the winning Central Coast Rays that uh, won our first and only um, uh, ARC as it was then. Tell us about the competition back then. What the I guess what the players' perspective of it was. We, we hear it was pretty positive. I, I assume you, you enjoyed your time. Well, we we really really enjoyed it. I mean, it was it was still quite a, a professional level, and that was actually the first time the uh, yeah. the ELVs were in, brought into Australia as well. And so that changed the uh, changed the face of the competition a bit as well, and it, it gave guys a bit of a a license to express themselves a bit more outside of the outside of the structure that rugby sometimes can can demand with with the with the new rulings. Um, and it was, I mean, I just I was just thinking back before on 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 guys that who are now playing for the Wallabies or are now playing in Super Rugby who had who came through and played in that in that Super Comp. And I was thinking of a guy like uh, Andrew Smith who's down at the Brumbies and. 
that was sort of his first step up into the pro pro worlds, and he's and he's had Peter Hewitt. He played on the wing for us, I think, that season. And he had Peter Hewitt at fullback. He had Ben Jacobs and Sam Harris in the centres, and and just to be able to draw from the experience and learning off those guys in a full time capacity, rather than one or two nights a week at a training where he might have one super guy coming back into his into his side. I think he played for North, so probably not not many super guys coming back to play for for the team. It's just a really positive experience for guys like that, and and for the guys who are coming out of Super Rugby, it was great to continue a, a high level of competition. Yeah, so take us back to the start of it when uh, I guess the the arc was first announced. Um, what were your expectations? I mean, were you one of the believers that we we need we needed this third level of of uh, I guess representative rugby? Yeah, absolutely. At that stage, I absolutely, oh, I still, I still am. I absolutely was, and and that was not too long coming out of the 2003 World Cup and we heard all about how the, uh, the ARU had its big war chest of money to to invest into rugby and, and when they when they canned it after a year I was absolutely gutted I, I, I couldn't understand why the ARU was treating itself as a bank and saying we can't spend our, our money now now looking at their state I can understand but back then I couldn't understand why they couldn't see it as an investment and yep, okay, maybe you are going to make a loss for for a while but the investment in in quality of players and and just another level of competition which will eventually bear fruit, I thought it was a pretty short-sighted uh, decision to, to get rid of it. Yeah, Cam, um, one of your teammates from your uh, from, from the Rays, uh, Bo Robinson, um, wrote quite a nice article about the, the ARC and one of the things he said was... Uh, Pretty much along your your lines of the the short sightedness of um, the ARU, particularly around exposure. One of the things that get, tends to get lost in this is that it, you know, it was broadcast a couple of games a week on free to air, and it just gave us that extra bit of um, exposure of the game. Absolutely, and I think you can look back and go and look back at the crowds and that sort of thing. And of, of course, if if you make up a team and drop it in an area, and you you, you can't you can't expect a community get behind it within the, the the one month period we had of pre-season and then and then a nine week competition a community is not going to band behind it but as a, as a second year or third year approaches and the, the name becomes known with the area for example Central Coast or I think we finished in the last game with 5,000 at the grand final but possibly the next year our first game we start with 5,000 and build it up from there you know and so I, I couldn't understand at the time, and obviously I never could see the numbers of what what teams were costing and that sort of thing. Being on free to air just gave it that little bit of, like you said, extra exposure that, that the Fox coverage doesn't 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 give us. Yeah, look, I've still got a couple of DVDs of some, some games, and I rip them out, and I enjoyed it. It was great rugby, and you're right, the, the, the development pathway it created, and I think Curtley's the obvious one. He, I think, he got player of the tournament as a must have been only 18, 19 years old. But Benny Alexander was one that really came from nowhere in that tournament and, and stood up. But you just go through all those teams and, and the number of players that weren't necessarily uh, rep players then uh, to to where they are now or where they achieved. And to be honest, one of the best things the AAU have ever done from a marketing perspective was the commercial they put out at the time was that um, you don't know us yet type approach and it was it was bang on it was really about that development thing and, and it was a, a crying shame it was cut off early Steve what are your memories of the ARC 
it goes back a while. But um, yeah, it was a good. It was something had to be done, um, and it's very tough for Australia, obviously, with rugby not the, the top line sport as it is in say New Zealand and South Africa. So they have to had to try something. I think the big challenge for the sport um, at the time is it comes up against the other codes. Uh, final rounds and final series. So, in terms of getting exposure and all that, you, you could be f- fighting a, a battle. But um, good, good. It's good that they've brought it back. Um, there's obviously going to be a bit of tribalism there uh, already. There is, there is a bit down here in Canberra over the team name and, and colours. Um, the Vikings have been, I guess you could say, resurrected as a team name um, from the based on the funding from the. Tuggernaut Club down here, um, and there's a big. There was a push for um, the colours to be uh, blue and gold and have a different name. So um, it's good that it's, it's being talked about, I guess, in a way. Um, and I'll be trying to get to as many games as possible. Yeah, look, I fear Queensland. We're not. We haven't heard too much about it. The QAU are running both teams, one being a Brisbane team, one being a country team, and basically trying to split up the the red squad in those. I'd like to hear more, and this is what we'll try and get to the bottom of in the ensuing months. Uh, Cam, you talk about the financial struggles as obviously cut from a purely financial reason. I think the the Melbourne team were lost a lot of money last time, but that's basically that, to transplant an entire team down to Melbourne. They don't have to do that, that now. A lot of the infrastructure's there, so hopefully that'll be somewhat um, allayed. The financial position of the ARU is still very real. The latest news I've heard is that listen to this guys, is that the ARU are actually going to move out of uh, St. Leonard's and move in with the Waratahs, um, which shows you the, the depth of, of the, the serious issue that is ARU financials at the moment. So, um, And that's that's pretty damn soon. There's been a number of redundancies over the last, look, last year, but particularly in the last couple of weeks again. So that's on the cards as well. So that shows you what the ARU are up against from a financial perspective. Um, I just hope they see this as a real pathway um, that they're prepared to invest and, and keep behind. Um, Cam, from your perspective, having been in there, what's the key to making this a success? I guess from a team perspective, let's look at purely as a team. How's it? Has a team that's thrown together, like you say, how do you turn that into a success? Yeah, I think um, <laughs> it's. I mean, the, I don't think there's any one given formula. Obviously, I think the the quality of people. <laughs> Makes a big difference, and we, we were very lucky at the raise. We had a really good quality bunch of guys, and that that and being from picked from teams such as Manly, Warringah, Gordon North, you you know of at least of everyone, and if not, you've personally played with them at some stage or another, or against obviously quite obviously against them, and and because you're coming from club, it's being picked out of mainly club rugby sides. Club rugby still got that good social atmosphere after games and that sort of thing. It's less professional. It's yep, okay, let's go to the club room and have a beer. And it's so it's so easy to to start a team dynamic when it's not coming from we don't know these guys. We we this is the first time I've come across a, a Peter Hewitt or something. We, I mean, we'd see Peter Hewitt most weekends out and about, and so we've already had that connection. So to be able to build on that connection within the team environment was really easy. So I think it'll be. For teams like like the Rays and and the and the Brisbane side and Melbourne, obviously Perth, they've already got the connections already built. Teams that'll do it a bit tougher will be teams like the two country sides, and um, and possibly 
guys coming into the Canberra and Melbourne Perth sides who aren't aren't already involved in the system. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it all works out yeah. for them. Look, it's exciting, and uh, let's hope that it uh, that you know we can take the good bits from that that ARC and and implement for the NRC and we've really got to get behind this from a grassroots perspective. I know it's got a lot of support from Green and Gold Rugby and like I say, we'll, we'll work on this in the next couple of months and try and get more people on the podcast to talk about it and get a bit more information as it develops um, because it's a, it's a critical component for the development of, of rugby in Australia and, and our future. Um, so thanks, Cam. Appreciate your insight there. Guys, we're going to finish up with a quick look at the next round and, and the games and we'll go through some very quick tips on what we think we're going to and we're going to start the first match is the Blues versus Reds at Eden Park. Uh, look, the, I think the Blues have lost uh, Luke Braid and they've got a couple of other injury clouds. The Reds, Will Genny has been selected despite uh, injury. A few changes there. Mikey Harris has gone to fullback. Ant Fainga's back in the starting team at 12. Liam Gill comes back from injury and straight in the starting team there with Bo on the bench and Curtis Browning uh, out of the squad altogether. Um, who else is there? Uh, Greg Holmes back in the starting team for Ben Daly. And uh, Rocket Rod, your man Daz, is in the starting team there for JJ Tuolaga. Look, I can't... Uh, I, I, we may win. We may well win. It would surprise me. I can't see us pulling this one off, unfortunately. Uh, I just don't think the combination within the team's working at the moment. As I said last week, and it may still be the pessimist in me, I, I don't know where the Reds' next win is going to go. So... Unfortunately, this is some, one of those times where I, I think we're very much up against it. Um, anyone see any difference, Steve? Well, first, I just want to say I'm shocked that you aren't going to support the Reds. <laughs> yeah. But, but having, having, shocking to silence. Yeah, um, but having seen them play against the Hurricanes uh, last week uh, was very disappointing. You know, it was close there for a bit, but I think the Hurricanes just had them at arm's length, and if they could kick goal kick better, uh, it would have yeah, been a, a bigger score. Um, I think the the problem is, you know, I think you said this in the past, the backs, uh, they're just not sure who to pick where. Like every week you seem to be, there seems to be a big debate over uh, where should Ben Tapawai be, should Ant Fanger start, um, and in which part, or which centre position they should be, and people think they're out of, picked out of position. I'm not sure. It just looks like there's a bit of um, inconsistencies there, and it's just causing a bit of uh, a few problems in the back line there. Yeah, so you're picking the Reds? Uh, Blues. Cam, any uh, input here, mate? Uh, I mean, while, while the Blues beat the Waratahs last week, they weren't particularly impressive in doing so. And the Reds are always just a team one click away from putting 40 on somebody. So yeah. I, I hope it's this week, and um, I'll, I'll go with them this week. Excellent. Let's hope they click. Uh, and Dad, what do you think, mate? Oh, Blues all day, every day, mate. The Reds, uh, unfortunately... Um, they're, they're just not showing enough they're, I think they're a bit of a bit aimless at the moment, the old Reds Aimless is a good word Alright, well let's uh, you need to convince me now Daz why are the Rebels going to beat the Sharks? <laughs> I didn't say they were going to <laughs> um, Look, they, they will uh, they will beat the Sharks um, look, for a start they're back home um, uh, and the Rebels go up about five notches when they're at, um, when they're at the Stockade um, uh, I'm tipping that they're going to fall into the, the, the traditional uh, game plan, which is spend the first half kicking the ball away completely aimlessly and then the second half attacking rugby and uh, and throw three or four um, trials over the line. Um, the big one for me, I've uh, already spoken about it, but I'm going to talk about it, uh, Mitch Inman and, and Francois Stone. Um, that battle at 12 is going to be 
um, immense. It'll be huge. Um, I think the Reds will pull this off. Um, if they can just keep the ball in hand um, and attack, they're, they're a very good side um, when, they, when they actually um, start to get a bit of a sniff. So um, I'm, I'm tipping the Rebels probably by about... Th- I'll go three. Wow, be cool. Cam, what do you reckon, mate? Any Rebels, any chance? Yeah, I think so. It'll be interesting to see how the Sharks... Is it, it's, it's in Melbourne, right? Yep. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Sharks tour. I mean... Um, they're like they're a very clinical side, the Sharks, and if if the Rebels don't, if the Rebels make too many mistakes, they're definitely going to be punished for it. Um, I'll probably have to go with the Sharks just on the strength of their pack, um, and just just the Jake White factor. He just seems to bring out clinical sides that don't make too many mistakes, and um, so unfortunately, sorry, Daz, I have to go for the Sharks. Yeah, I'm with you, Cam. I think the Sharks have got this one, Steve. Oh, I think the Rebels have been watching the tape of the Highlander Sharks game last week a few times just to see how the Highlanders went about uh, stopping the Sharks. The Sharks were held trialless, which hasn't happened in Durban very often. No. Um, but in the Rebels, I think they're coming off the bye, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be either team by less than five, and I'm going to go with the Rebels just because of the odds. You're a good man, Steve. Yeah, good man, well done. Well, let's stick... There's a bit of there, a bit there about Jake White too. So go the Rebels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's stick that there. We'll talk to you, Steve. Tell us about the Crusaders Brumbies over there in Christchurch. Well, the, the Brumbies haven't had a good track record over in Christchurch. They haven't won there since 2000, I believe, is the is the year. Uh, last time they played over in New Zealand was in Nelson, and they got absolutely flogged. That was in the the year of. 2011 season, which wasn't so great. Uh, and the Crusaders are talking about getting some players back of the names like Kieran Reid, Richie McCaw, a few others. So this will be their biggest game of the season so far. Uh, I think what they need to do is just tighten up a few things around the field, particularly that back end of the Chiefs game. They conceded a few scrum penalties. Uh, that was mostly when the reserves had come on. So I think they need to get out of the box league and keep the uh, Crusaders at, um, you know, maybe less than seven po- uh, more than seven points away at a time because their goal-kicking hasn't been so so great this year. So it won't be uh, such a, a reliance on keeping them, their goal-kickers... Um, sorry, keeping their goal-kickers away and uh, not having to worry about giving away three penalties every time, three points every time, sorry. Yeah, it'll be a tough one. I, I reckon the Brummies can do this. I'm... I'm... Like I've said, they're the team that have uh, stepped up to the mark more often than not when they've needed to this season, uh, particularly from an Australian perspective. And I reckon this will be their performance against the Chiefs last week was really impressive. And I just think they will target this game as a real stake in the ground for them. And I've I've got big belief in the boys to be able to. to yeah, I think we're at the we're at the stage of the the the, the pointy end of the season where. We start to talk about teams in regards, um, if they're real contenders, these are the games that they'll win. Um, I think if the Brumbies are really going to have a crack, they, they should win this game. They, they would be expected to win this game. Okay. Yeah, I think um, I'm in agreement as well. I think they're, they're just in a really good place at the moment. and It'd be great to see a team take take the Crusaders, an Aussie team take the Crusaders in, in Christchurch. It'd be, a, it'd be really good to see and... Yeah, I was, like I said, they're in a really good spot and go the Brums. Absolutely. Those afternoon games too are great, so that'll be uh, Saturday afternoon there. Uh, Chiefs playing the Lions over in Wakato, uh, Wakato Stadium. 
Then we've got Saturday night, the Waratahs are taking on the Hurricanes uh, in Sydney. So Waratahs obviously be damn keen to bounce back. They're playing the Hurricanes on the high from their almighty win against the Reds. They didn't have to stretch themselves too far. But the Hurricanes, I think, have now won five in a row or so. So they're definitely running into a, a good patch of form there. Um, look, again, it depends on what Chica can do with the Tars this week. They're good enough to win. They should win Sydney. They should win this game. They should win it well. Um, it's just whether they can get them back in that combination, that belief in themselves to uh, to work together and, and get the win there. Uh, Daz, what do you think, mate? Oh, look, the, the Tars and the Highlanders, they're sitting, they're, they're basically fighting each other for position on the, on the ladder. Um, the Tars, you'd have to say at home that the Tars would start favourites. Um, but I'll tell you what, there's going to be some high blood pressure. Um, and if, if checks. If Chex doesn't want to do this six-month ban, he's just going to have to not watch the game. Um, I think it's it's really he's going to have to do, do it from home and get the assistance to coach on game day because um, uh, I, I think this is going to go down to the wire. Yep. Cam, any thoughts? Oh, I'd go as far as saying it's, saying it's make or break for the Tars this one. Yep. Um, going on what they've been saying in in the press hopefully they've learned their lessons like it genuinely is a case of sometimes if they don't force that last pass or or push 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 that little extra two or three metres that forces a turnover they're going to walk it over the next phase and they've just got a, they've got a habit at the moment of trying to do that brilliant thing that I don't know I, I, it gets my goat every time when we hear when you guys talk about entertainment and rugby and that sort of thing but if if it Tars play with their head screwed on, make those opportunities, and then finish it, hold the ball. The match is theirs. All right, Steve, what about yourself, mate? I think the, the Waratahs just need to maybe vary their game plan a bit. Uh, I think they've got two players at the moment, which is one, give it to Israel Folau, and two, maybe Will Skelton. Um, and they need to rein in, like Cam said, the, the razzle-dazzle. Like last week, handling errors against the Blues was just killing them, just unnecessary uh, flashy passes when holding on to the ball and in taking the contact was the better option uh, and if they can do that and we, we can see they can do that um, against say the Force earlier this year and a few other games where they've opened it up early on so they need to just basically hang on to the ball and they'll win yeah exactly yeah. right back to basics well, look, that's pretty much it. There's a few other games involving some New Zealand teams, some South Africans teams. We don't want to get too much detail in. We're very much an Australian podcast. This is Green and Gold Rugby. So that wraps up round 12 with the force having the bye. Cam, thanks a lot for your time tonight. We really appreciate the insight into the NRC and, and everything that's gone on uh, in the last hour or so. So we hope to get you back in again sometime. The pleasure. I'll, I'll be... Because I'm actually hoping to come home and play in the NRC, so I'll be looking forward to, to, to some of which, uh, which team are you looking to suit up for, Trey? Uh, I've, I've had a contact with New South Wales Country um, at this stage, and then poss- possibly again with the Rays. Although I, I don't, I don't, I don't know at this stage. Um, or sort of, yeah, I, the Rays or New South Wales Country, I'd say. Um, but yeah, it, it just seems to be quite slow in development at the moment. Uh, there's a lot of people really wanting to know how it's going to work who coaches are, what contracts are going to be, and that sort of thing. So there's a bit of work to be done from the RU in that, in that regard, but it will uh, hopefully in the next, at least in the next month or so, so some more info, some more info comes out other than just that it's it's happening. Excellent. Well, make sure you let us know as things develop there, Cam, because we'd love to, to, to keep in the 
loop as to uh, how the NRC develops from the players' perspective as much as anything. Will do, definitely. Excellent. Daz, thanks for your time there down in Melbourne, mate. Let's hope the, the Rebels can do it against the Sharks this weekend. Yeah, uh, our, our number seven, Scott uh, Fugilistola, has just re-signed until the end of 16, so um, the, the, that'll, that'll put a lot of confidence into the boys. That something's building down there. Excellent. I'll have to learn how to pronounce his name now then. And Steve, to you, mate, and to the Brumbies over there in Christchurch. Uh, best of luck and uh, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks, lads. We'll see you again. See Cheers. Ya. Right there, right there.